Engaging Leader Podcast, Episode 76. inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, Engagers. Today we're talking about five ways to win lovers and influence coworkers. Now, I've been married almost 20 years, and so you might say, what do I know anymore about winning lovers? So to help me out, I've invited into the studio here my son, JJ, who is a communication student at Spring Arbor University. JJ, welcome to the show. Hey, Dad. Thanks for having me on the show. JJ is in the unfortunate, terrible, awful predicament of being at a school where the girl-guy ratio is what, JJ? Like It's uh, it's about like 3.7 to 1. So uh, basically any guy on campus who is single is single by choice. So you're going to, this Valentine's Day, you are not going to be in any uh, scarcity regarding Valentine's. You're going to be buried in Valentine's, I, I predict. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'll be flooded, but uh, there's only one woman right now who will uh, be receiving my affections, and uh, that's my mother. Ah, Well, JJ, you are no stranger to the studio here. You and I were involved in a podcast together. My very first experience of podcasting was a, a hobby that you and I did for a year or so together. So it's nice to have you back again. Yeah, Dad. Uh, you know, I, I really uh, miss the days of uh, Man Cave Radio together. Uh, it's been a long time since I've uh, been behind a mic. I haven't been on this show before, actually, although I've been uh, doing the videos for Engaging Leader for uh, about a year now. It's been fun watching you be off at college, and you're actually learning in these communication classes things that you and I have talked about in practice for a long time, both in things that we would talk about on our old podcast together, as well as just getting you involved in some of the work that Asmodale was doing and, and talking about projects that we have. So it's been fun having you come back and say, hey, that, that principle you used to talk about, it was one of the theories we talked about in our class. Yeah, it's fun to be able to raise my hand uh, when a uh, professor asks uh, if anybody knows the difference between sympathy and empathy or anything that you talk about like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, unless any of our audience here assumes that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree for all of our kids, you're just the oldest of four, and so far you're the one that's most interested in communication-type stuff. We Our other kids have varying interests. We've got some that are more scientifically minded or engineering minded. and So we'll see how everybody turns out. But so far, you do have a lot of overlapping interests with mine. Yeah, I've kind of dipped my toe in the water uh, in uh, pretty much every uh, communication um, you know, field uh, to some degree. Video, uh, websites, uh, graphic design, speaking, you name it. Well, we are Looking at Valentine's Day here, and we talked a little bit about how you're probably going to be pretty successful this Valentine's, and I have to say, I've had some rotten failures in my own Valentine's Day experiences. Not that I'm not one of those typical husbands you hear about that forgets all about it, but I can remember just a couple years ago, I brought home for Valentine's Day for your mom a very thoughtful book that I assumed that she would enjoy. And she really did. 
And I also bought her Godiva chocolates, which I assume spells love to every woman. And then just a short while later, I brought her flowers. So I, wouldn't you think that I'd really done a good job there of demonstrating my love to the woman I committed my life to? I don't know. I feel like that uh, dishwasher you bought uh, didn't quite do the trick. <laughs> All right, I'm not that. I'm not that lame. <laughs> no, I had brought. I had gotten Aaron three gifts, and it was just a very short time later that she said to me, "It doesn't feel like you love me. You hardly even appreciate me." What? Yeah, I mean, this was this was literally like. 24 hours after the last of those three gifts that I gave her. It was all surrounding Valentine's Day. Ah, women. Who can understand them? (laughs) (laughs) Well, interestingly, this is not just a a male-female issue. The fact is that different people feel love in different ways. And you and I, JJ, have both studied what's come, come to be known as the five love languages. The book, The Five Love Languages, by Dr. Gary Chapman came out many years ago, but it's surprisingly resilient. I still see it quoted all the time. It was just quoted in Adversaries into Allies, for example, the recent book by Bob Berg. And a lot of people actually are unaware of it. So I think it's a good thing for us to talk about today as maybe new information for some listeners and a refresher for some of the others of us. For example, me, I already knew the the principle and yet was caught by surprise there that, hey, gifts is not one of the ways that my wife feels loved. So I can shower gifts on her and she will still feel unloved. Similarly, she could shower gifts on me and I wouldn't feel loved either. That is actually the lowest of the five love languages for each of us. Interestingly, Dad, uh, gifts is my lowest one too out of all five of them. That's interesting. I wonder if we took a survey of our whole household from the, of the six of us, if gifts is high on anybody's list. I wonder. Yeah, I um, I have an aunt, though, who uh, gifts, you can tell, is clearly one of her strong ones. Because every time you see her, oh, she brought you this and this and this. And uh, I bet you she'd feel really appreciated if, you know, we took the time to, you know, just pick out something, you know, small and nice to give her next time we see her. Yes, this is not just about romantic love. It's actually about how people feel appreciated and respected in any types of relationships. So yes, my sister-in-law definitely is a gift giver. And usually when someone is expressing one of them, like you can tell she gives gifts a lot, that's a pretty good sign that she would actually feel loved if you gave her gifts as well. And it's also the same, I think, in professional relationships. I have certain colleagues that every time during the holidays will send me a very nice basket like Henry Henry and David's. Harry and David's. Example. Harry and David's. Yeah. <laughs> which, of course, our family loves, so we really mm-hmm. enjoy getting them. But uh, I, it's, it's just not one of the things that – they certainly don't have to do that for me. Um, I, I don't – I feel great about our relationship either way, and I'm not particularly good myself at giving very thoughtful gifts for other people. Now, Dad, I've never read the Five Love Languages book by Dr. Chapman, um, but I have read a lot of what uh, Dr. Kevin Lehman has had to say on the subject. And uh, love languages is something that um, I am particularly interested in, Uh, especially within the context of romantic relationships. um, Your love languages can kind of make or break your relationship, Um, not necessarily... 
what your language is, but making sure that you and your partner understand what the other person's love language is and can therefore meet it. Yeah, I think it's a basic step of empathy to know how, what what works for you and what other, what works for other people in, in terms of making them feel appreciated and affirmed. It is. And Dad, uh, when I'm talking to a cute girl that I might be interested in, one of the early questions that I'll ask her, um, just when I'm kind of trying to gauge, you know, is the, does this person have potential, um, is I'll ask them if they've taken the Love Languages survey, and most of them have. Um, and I, I like comparing their answers to mine and seeing how well we line up. That's interesting. I don't think I ever would have thought of that. Dad, you can often tell what a person's love language is uh, by uh, the language that they express it in. For example, um, words of affirmation is a big one for me. And I will. you can tell that because I'm quick to say, hey, you look good today, or something like that, to a friend. That is actually my number one love language as well. When I take an assessment, it's words of affirmation. Interesting, Dad. Um, one instance with me personally where this doesn't apply quite so much is with acts of service. This is one, oh, and also gifts. Those two are ones that I tend to turn to if I'm trying to make someone else feel loved and appreciated, largely because they're kind of easier ones for me. Um, but I don't particularly like to receive love in that way. Um, gifts, like I said, is my lowest one. I really kind of dislike getting gifts because. Um, for me, it's not, you know, the fact that someone, uh, you know, cared enough to get me a gift. It's, oh, you gave me this gift. It's not exactly what I wanted, and now I feel bad because you spent your money or your time or whatever to get me this thing that I'm never going to use. So I I actually don't like getting gifts. So does that mean I don't need to give you Christmas and birthday gifts anymore? You know, Christmas and birthday, um, I usually prefer cash or gift cards or something because that's something that I know I'll like. But as far as an actual present goes, you know, I always have that moment of uh, hesitation when I open it, like, oh, boy, is this going to be one of those where I'm going to, you know, look into their smiling face and, uh, you know, feel this sinking feeling, like, oh, you didn't get me something that I'm actually going to use. You know, I, I just was listening to the Harvard Business Review idea cast, and they were talking about gratefulness and uh, gift, uh, gift giving, and they mentioned that when they study people, they found that regardless of who you are, almost everybody feels more appreciated and happy about the gifts that they receive when it's something that was actually on their wish list, Mm -hmm. which is surprising because you tend to think that I should put a lot of thought into this gift and get something that I just know they will like, even if they haven't expressly asked for it or put it on some kind of wish list. But the, 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 science, the actual research says that, no, that people actually just want you to give them what they want. That in and of itself (laughs) is the thoughtfulness behind it. So all this effort we wait to try to be creative and, and think, oh, I need to be thoughtful. uh, That, that goes, that actually works against us. And how many years, dad, has your, has your birthday or or Christmas come around and you put something on your list and thought, oh boy, this is going to be so cool. And someone buys you something else and you're like, oh, I didn't really want that. And then it's all over and hey, I never got that iPod. (laughs) (laughs) I often feel that way regarding cash or gift certificates that I'm afraid to give those to people because it seems so unthoughtful. But people, if if that's what they ask for, I mean, yeah. Well, we've talked about 
I guess three of the love languages so far, words of affirmation, receiving gifts, and you mentioned acts of service, acts of service, which are tend to be little things that you might, or big things that you would do as a sign that you love somebody. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, uh, washing the dishes or, uh, picking up after somebody sweeping the floor, um, you know, just, just, uh, little, little chores. They don't have to be big at all. Just little things that show, Hey, you know, I care for you. Hey, I, I clean the toilet. And then another is quality time, which I have to, I sort of assume that with most of my kids, that quality time is a big deal. And it doesn't necessarily, sometimes it's just spending time doing things or just going along with what the other person is already doing. So, for example, JJ, I noticed you growing up, you always were just delighted when at bedtime if your mother or I would lay with you and just almost do nothing in bed or just or chat, but just sort of not in a hurried way, just uh, finish the day together. It seemed like it really stroked your boat. Quality time is and always has been uh, my top love language. And Dad, um, there was a, a girl I dated for a while who... Um, her, she was kind of more of an introvert and she needed a lot of alone time and quality time was her lowest one on the list and it was my highest. And so that just didn't really work out because I wanted to spend time with her and for her, it was enough just to, you know, uh, have dinner together or whatever. And then that was all she needed. She didn't need to talk or anything. And, uh, you know, that just, it wasn't good enough for me. The fifth and final love language, as we're just kind of doing a quick run through of the five here, and then we'll talk more about them, is physical touch. And in the context of romantic relationships and marriage, you tend to, people tend to assume that this is going to be the highest, maybe the only thing on most men's list, that they need physical touch as a sign that their wife loves them. Yeah. And the true test, um, guys, of if physical touch is your number one is take sex out of the equation. You know, uh, just a hug or something like that, you know, holding hands. If sex removed from the equation still leaves physical touch as something that's really important to you, then it's important. Then that is one of your top love languages. Otherwise, now nah, it's just sex that you want. Hmm, that's interesting. Well, you mentioned that you hadn't read the book by uh, Gary Chapman. And JJ, I have not actually read that whole book either. It, it's just not a topic that I've wanted to spend an entire book on. But there are a couple books that I think you and I both read. You mentioned uh, you, you mentioned uh, Kevin Lehman. Mm-hmm. He, he addresses it. And uh, Andy Andrews has also discussed it. And each of them have devoted an entire chapter to it in one or more of their books. And so I kind of view those chapters as the Cliff Notes version to this topic. And it's interesting, both of those authors use a metaphor, an animal metaphor, to kind of make it easier to remember these five because you tend to forget that there's more than one way to express and to feel love and affection. And so having these sort of pet animals makes it easier to to uh, keep them in mind. So give us one of them and, and, and explain the animal. Well, Dad, uh, the first one, words of affirmation or approval, can be described as a dog. Uh, you just think about how a, a dog just absolutely melts when you say, good boy. 
You know, that that is what the dog lives for, is being praised and told that uh, he measures up to your standards and, and that you value him. Now, my wife, Erin, I like to point out, is not a dog. She's a fox. <laughs> but words of affirmation are one of the biggest strokes for her. And the key here is to recognize specific examples of her talents and her smarts and her personal charms. If I just say vague things like, oh, you're so beautiful and smart, it, it doesn't really, she doesn't feel the love from that. You got to get specific. I appreciate you uh, for this reason right here. Yeah, I, I think you're smart because you did this. Yeah, that amazing thing that you created. For example, Aaron is uh, in her third year of violin lessons. I think it's very impressive that she could start in her 30s taking something picking up something brand new like that and to be uh have gotten so well so good at it are you listening to this mama (laughs) (laughs) she's also um, very sharp as far as coming up with natural ways to solve uh, problems whether that's health problems Uh, she she tends to come up with great solutions to um, use nutrition or supplements to get you or anybody in the family beyond some health issue where a lot of people would either start taking different pharmaceuticals or would be endlessly going to doctors or would just start to miss out on a certain part of their life. All right, all right. That's enough brownie points for you. (laughs) Let's talk about quality time, Dad. Quality time is helpful to think of a canary. Unlike other pet birds, canaries require plenty of attention. Otherwise, they become very lonely and sad. And we talked about how you were an example, but really most kids, especially teenagers, really feel approval when you spend time with them and pay them attention. Sometimes it's okay to do just quantity time, like watching um, TV or movies together Mm -hmm. or just going places together. But really with kids in particular, it's got to be quality time in quantity. You can't just get away with five minutes of really good quality time. I think kids really need both quantity and quality. Dad, uh, number three is gifts. And uh, this one we came up with our own animal for this. And to be honest, I don't remember what the original one was because you and I have talked about the five level languages for such a long time. And we've used um, our own animal for this for so long. I can't remember what the one that uh, they used before that was that we thought was kind of dumb. But you and I came up with a chicken for gifts. We have chickens here at our uh, our little farm here. And... uh, let me tell you, the chickens don't really like to be touched. Uh, you can talk at them all day, and they don't care <laughs> at all. But they just go nuts if you uh, throw them some sort of a treat. You throw uh, some strawberry tops, or uh, you know, some uh, some mushy apples, or just a handful of corn, and they just go berserk. They are really fun to watch when you do that. They we just are. have like about five chickens. It's this little hobby farm, and. Y- they're really fun to, to toss them something and they just get so excited and squawk and walk, run all around and chase after each other. So they really do get a, a appreciate gifts and pretty much nothing else. That is the only thing that they appreciate. Mm-hmm. And uh, goldfish, which represents acts of service, are the same way. Um, a goldfish uh, really doesn't care if you're there at all. All they want is for their, their tank to be cleaned and stuff like and and to be kept fed. Uh, people obviously aren't uh, to that extreme, 
Uh, but uh, it, it does kind of help sum up, you know, that the goldfish, you know, they just want to be taken care of. And that's, that is in essence, I think what the acts of service boils down to is, do you love me enough to do things for me? Well, it's, I don't know that I would necessarily simplify it that way. I think I disagree with you a bit on that. I, I would say it, it part of it is just the thoughtfulness behind it. They are doing things for you because they're thinking about you and what you need. And it's not that they want you to take care of them, um, but it's, it's a sign to them as to whether you're truly being thoughtful about them that, hey, I noticed that you're really going through a busy stage right now, a busy phase. And so I'm doing these extra chores um, to make your life easier. I'm tidying things up for you to make your life easier. And so that's to, that's a signal to you, should be a signal to you that I'm being very thoughtful, that I care about you. And that should be your signal that that's how I feel. Uh, Kevin Lehman, in his books, he talks about... A, a guy whose wife is kind of a Martha Stewart type, and she's super thoughtful, and she keeps his closet perfectly organized, and she makes elaborate meals and kind of picks up after him all, all day long and even picks out birthday cards for him to send to his friends and colleagues. You, you, you can imagine, but, but he since the, in his case, the acts of service is not high on his list, he really just thought that she was like henpecking him mm-hmm. and that she didn't love him anymore. In fact, that's what she felt she did all day was express her love for him. Dad number five, physical touch, um, is a cat. And I don't think this one is uh, really needs to be explained that much. Uh, cats just love to be pet and rubbed and they love to come sit on your lap or on your computer and uh, <laughs> you know get your, your physical attention. Yeah, and you've definitely uh, hit the nail on the head when you said that it, the key here is non-sexual. That, uh, in particular, um, like my wife notices non-sexual touches for me as as a reassurance that I care about her. And when she gets a lot of those from me, it just makes her feel less questioning as to whether or not I still care about her. And so that when I do make romantic advances, she doesn't like, uh, she, she, she's not suspicious of me. She's more welcoming. But remember that, that Martha Stewart lady we were just talking about mm-hmm. her, the reason her husband felt absolutely unloved is that he needed his wife's physical assurance from him, both sexual and not non-sexual. And Lehman says that that really describes 90% of husbands, that they need to feel um, both of those types of physical touch from their wives in order to, to feel loved. But it just makes them feel attractive and important to their, their wife. Dad, my top uh, love languages are words of affirmation and quality time um, are equally tied. And then physical touch is also a big one for me. What are yours? My number one is words of affirmation followed by quality time and then physical touch. It's interesting that words of affirmation is almost twice as important as quality time and physical touch. Uh, Those two, quality time and physical touch, are very close to one another in terms of importance. So wait a second. Words of affirmation, quality time, and physical touch are your top three? Those are my top three, too. Really? It shows you how close I was paying attention. Dad, I really (laughs) appreciate... 
how handsome you look, you know, just sitting there as we spend this time recording this episode. And when we're done, I'll give you a hug. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, JJ. I love you too. Dad, um, does this mean that if you understand a person's love language, does that mean that you have kind of unlocked the formula to their heart? Well, first of all, Every, almost everybody needs some level of all five of these love languages. So that is, is no part one. No part two is that we are complex creatures. And my, my wife, for example, if she ever thought that I knew some kind of secret formula to her heart, uh, she would be very unhappy by that. She, she is complex and she likes to be complex and she likes me to pursue her and figure her out. That's sort of part of the ongoing romance of our relationship. But I think it's more important to say, how can I help avoid frustration and misunderstanding so that number one, I can show her that I care for her in ways that are meaningful to her? Because like a lot of wives, if she doesn't feel to actually get active messages that I love her, she starts to uh, doubt that. And like, okay, well, he loved me back when he married me, but he doesn't, he's only sticking with me now because he has to. So if I can, if I can genuinely express authentic love for my wife in ways that are meaning for her, it'll help make it clear that I really do love her and it avoids that frustration and misunderstanding. And then also it just helps me not be confused about the signals that I'm getting from her because it, it can I can start to feel sorry for myself if I don't get what I'm feeling as as love from her. Yeah, and if you realize, you can recognize, oh, she's trying to reach out to me in this love language. She actually does love me. I just wasn't seeing it. Yeah, that's right. So, Dad, I have a question. Um, what did you finally do then when you... Uh, when you realize that the gifts you were trying to give mom just weren't working? Well, <laughs> hopefully I'm getting better. One thing that I've recognized is that words of affirmation are very high on her list. Mm-hmm. A clue for that, and I hope she's not listening to this because I'll start to give away all my secrets here, but a clue is that almost always when I am traveling on a business trip, at some point, I will be taking something out of my suitcase, and I'll discover a little note that she's hidden in there. And, and so she writes these little love notes for me. And in fact, one trip, I didn't discover that, or very recently, there was a note that she had written, and I didn't see it. And <laughs> when I got home, she had never heard any thanks from me. I didn't send her a text or, hey, I got this note, anything like that. Didn't mention it when I got home. And so she was just really bothered by that and she actually said did you find anything in your suitcase (laughs) so clearly this isn't just something that she's doing because she thinks I like it I mean I I think it's an important thing for her so I have learned to try to remember to write her notes like that because she likes it it's not something I think of doing so when I do it, it it really is something I had to put a lot of thought into but I've also tried to make uh, Valentine's Day about quality time because that is also high on her list and make sure that we get out for some time together and not just a quick, hey, let's go 
catch dinner and a movie. But if if around that time, if I can actually go do like a weekend getaway or just one night, that really means a lot to her. Just doing some some one on one time where I'm not distracted by work or anything like that. It's a it's a huge it's a huge deal to her. Well, Dad, the five love languages are words of affirmation, quality time, gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. And in honor of Valentine's Day, we've been focusing mostly on the romantic application of the five love languages. But of course, they can be and should be applied in other family relationships, as well as with your friends, other people you care about, and professionally with your colleagues. All right, Engagers, that wraps up this episode. In our show notes for this episode, we will provide links to the three books that we mentioned, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, uh, a book by Dr. Kevin Lehman, uh, an example is called Have a New You by Friday, and then a book by Andy Andrews called The Noticer. You can find the show notes at engagingleader.com forward slash 76 as in episode 76. This is a production of Aspendale Communications, a consulting firm where my colleagues and I partner with mid-size and large employers to attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results. Find out more at AspendaleCommunications.com. Our thanks to Joe Sherwood, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, Cliff Ravenscraft, our podcasting advisor, Dustin Hartzler, our website engineer, JJ Leahy, our video and web intern and sometime co-host, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, you are always communicating and leading. Let's make the most of each opportunity to engage the people we care about.